Flashing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Leader McConnell seems to take great pride in calling himself the Grim Reaper. It's part of his political campaign. It's part of the pride he takes as leader of the Senate. And as you see what he wants to bury, none of these things are going to pass. They won't even be voted on. He wants to bury the For the People Act for cleaner government, the Equality Act uh, for ending discrimination against LGBTQ community. He's burying that. Climate action now. Climate action now. Let's bury that. For the first time in my memory, I agree with Nancy Pelosi. I am indeed the Grim Reaper when it comes to the socialist agenda that they've been ginning up over in the House with overwhelming Democratic support and sending it over to America, things that would turn us into a country we've never been. And now, Stacey Washington. And now, Stacey on the right. <laughs> it's Friday, you guys. Happy Friday to you. Yes, yes. So lots of show planned for you today. I'm so excited to be with you. You know, the end of the week. This is the bookend. A lot of people are maybe, you know, preparing for the unplugging or the plugging in or whatever you're going to do this weekend. Maybe, maybe you're going to get a lot of yard work done or maybe you've already done that and you're just going to sit by the pool or the hot tub or uh, sit on your back porch or your front porch and look out and just thank God that it's the weekend. And I'm right there with you. This is exactly what we need. The end of the week the beginning of the weekend. And so for this, we are going to be chatting with wonderful, fantastic Daniel Turner. He's the executive director of Power to the Future. And his presence today on the show is going to be so great because we have this whole issue with escalating tensions with Iran. And we have our own kind of internal fighting going on sometimes about whether or not we should become fully energy independent or if we should continue to rely heavily on the Middle East for oil. Now, I know what the president's agenda is on that front, and I think there's a lot to be said for, um, you know, anytime you can pull yourself out of relationships where you're uh, at a disadvantage or relationships that could impact your national security as a country, such as our dependence on foreign oil. It's always wonderful to see American companies and American ingenuity step up to the plate and make something happen, even in spite of perhaps an administration that's not so interested in seeing us move forward. It's not the case with President Trump, but it is an interesting conversation to have. So he's going to join us on that. Um, Obviously, the big news for today is Sarah Huckabee Sanders um, saying farewell at the White House. We're going to launch into that. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the trade war, the Democrats' obsession with getting rid of President Trump. When they really, honestly, this is one of those things where you're supposed to look at the calendar um, and if you don't have a paper calendar that you're using, you're supposed to go into your calendar app, whatever one you're using, print out one monthly calendar for each of the remaining months of the Trump presidency. And if you can't stand it, instead of running around and making comments on my YouTube page, like that, I I'm not really a black person or I don't know I'm black. (laughs) You're right. I'm a child of the King. You know, what comes before me being black, just, just as a PSA for the haters, because they amuse me to no end. You know, what comes before me being black, me being created in the image of God, just like you are. 
not not better than you, not worse than you. We're all created in the image of God. So the fact that I'm permanently tan, no matter what time of year it is, whether it's, you know, overcast, if I was to live in Seattle and have very few sunny days, or when we were living in Florida and I was permanently tanned to a greater degree than I am now because, you know, sun and all that good stuff, no matter what, if you can't see yourself as a valuable, vital, unique creation, no other one created exactly like you, you are a one of a kind created in the image of Christ, if you can't see yourself that way, then you probably are going to be really obsessed with whether or not I know I'm a black person or if I'm a real black person. And on a Friday like today or any other day, that's a you problem. You have a serious problem. Also, if you're going to be the kind of person who spends a lot of time listening to Christian radio, which I'm happy that you're doing that, but then you take the time to remark that God isn't real. Um, also, the Bible says only a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Don't be foolish. Don't post those comments. If you think them, keep them to yourself because it just shows you up to be a fool, which is not a good thing. It's not a good look, especially on a great Friday in America. Where we're just so glad to be alive and so glad to be kicking and doing whatever we can do. So right now, I want to go into uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So you guys know I've never hidden the fact that I admire her a great deal. And I got to meet her at the White House during the White House media row, um, not this year, but last year. And she was just like smiley and fun and very, very nice. She had a very tight schedule, so she didn't actually come on the show, but I was able to pop up in between interviews and go over and I asked to take a selfie with her. And she was like, yes, absolutely. So nice to meet you. Um, I, I, I told her, I was like, I, I've just recently met your father and now I'm meeting you. And I told him I was your biggest fan and she laughed and she was like, what did he say? <laughs> and I said, he said he's your biggest fan too. And she was like, you got to love him. So it was a great interaction. Um, to hear that she's leaving her position, it makes total sense, first of all. She's been there for three and a half years. So she came to the Trump administration, the Trump White House from the campaign trail. So she'd been traveling with the president during that time as well. Um, if you remember, and I, I believe I'm, I'm correct in the timeline was that she was at the RNC she came over to the campaign from the RNC, stayed with the campaign through the transition team, and then went into the White House. Now, a lot has been made of some, you know, she she made a statement and had to retract it. She said uh, there's there, there's been some, a lot of talk really about she's a liar, she's inaccurate. I just, I again, I go back to my statement from yesterday. If you didn't care anything about uh, that last press secretary, the last two press secretaries that President Obama had, the last two, the most recent two, who they went on to get MSNBC and CNN contributorships and write books and everything, and no one ever said they were a liar. When they were proven to have lied, they were given cover by this talking snake media. If that didn't matter to you, then how can you be upset that she made a statement, then had to go back and kind of check her notes and say, you know what, actually, I was wrong about that. The fact that she even admitted it makes her better than you if you have Trump derangement syndrome and you're trying to attack her for it. So if it's one thing that really is annoying to me, it's when people who haven't accomplished anything or people who are uh, hypocrites, they only attack one side. They never, ever have anything bad to say about the, their own side. They can't criticize or be critical of the actions, the wrong actions taken by their own side then your opinion has zero validity with me on whether or not Sarah Huckabee Sanders was good at her job as press secretary. I would dare say she was so good at it that at times 
people like April Ryan and Jim Acosta, they literally walked out of the room with their little butts in their hands. Yeah, they did. They literally would go in all big and bad and huffed and puffed, and she would eviscerate them with a very calm and cool demeanor. Even CNN made note of it. One of the hosts on there said, well, April Ryan, you know, um, and I didn't clip it because April Ryan sat there and lied for a full five minutes without interruption. And that CNN host didn't even call her on the fact that the reason they had such a contentious relationship, April D. Ryan and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, is because April Ryan used to disrespect her, overtalk her and insult her. She said she, April D. Ryan, was at the White House working as a correspondent when Sarah Huckabee Sanders was in high school. So you're older than Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Good for you. Because, you know, I celebrate all life. As long as you're still kicking and you're here on this earth, I'm happy for you. I'm right there with you. Good for you. There is no such thing as being ashamed of being old if you have any synapses that fire with a correct sequence and with any regularity. Because you know that if you don't get old, you die young. Who wants to die young? It's it's such idiocy that we've allowed um, cultural elites, Hollywood, uh, you know, dunderheads and the gay community, when they were closeted before we knew that they were running all of the fashion industry and all of that, they're the ones who put the idea into women's heads that it's horrible if you age. If you get wrinkles, that's bad. If you start getting a little fluffy and, you know, soft around the edges, that's horrible. Everyone's supposed to be like the size of a 14-year-old and with the same skin and everything else for the rest of their natural lives. You're never supposed to look like you've gotten any older when the truth is that the gray hair and the little bit of, you know, darkening under the eyes and the softer surroundings, all of those are proof that you've, you're, you're, you got staying power. God has allowed you to hang around a little bit longer. And really why in the world will we be more concerned with the way we look on the outside than what's going on on the inside? That's the enemy trying to get us to focus on the minor details when the major issue is what do you believe Who do you trust? Who do you call on when you have a problem or when you're rejoicing about something? And where are you going to spend eternity? Uh Uh-oh, too much for these people to handle. I'm sure the email box is lighting up, but good for you, babies. I won't be reading your stuff until Monday because it's Friday. So back to what I originally was saying about Sarah Huckabee Sanders leaving. So of course I was disappointed when I heard that she was leaving, but I kind of felt in my bones that this was coming. She has served for quite a while in the current role. She took over right after Sean Spicer left. And I liked Sean Spicer, but he was not able to withstand the mockery that he was subjected to on Saturday Night Live. And I don't blame him for saying, you know, this just isn't worth my daily commitment. And so he left. And when Sarah Huckabee Sanders came in, you know, they made a lot of hay about her looks and, you know, she's not rail thin and all these other things, basically personal attacks. And it seemed to energize her. It was like every time they hit her, it was like plugging another, um, another device into a socket. And, it, you know, the little, the little Apple symbol comes up and you know you're kicking. You know it's got gas. It's, it's ready to go. She took their hatred and their mockery and she turned it into fuel to do the things that she needed to do for the Trump administration. And it's worth noting that ABC and CBS and NBC are all talking about, even though she hasn't had frequent press briefings over the last eight or nine months, that when she did, she owned the room and that she's one of the few press secretaries in the history of that job to have traveled and sat in the room. She was in the room with Kim Jong-un when he was talking to the president. She was in the room when the president met with world leaders, not 
outside the room, not only working with the media and press, but in the room and served as one of the president's closest advisors, flying with him and his team frequently on Air Force One, far away and above one of his closest advisors. That's an honor. And it speaks to the job that she did. And so I know for me, when I think about her, I see it as a story of success. And I think any of us who are women in the workplace, um, whether it's part-time like me or full-time, extra full-time like she, she is, we have to look at when we know it's time to pull back, which is what she's doing because she has a family, she has young kids, and she wants to be with them. So as we're going out here, let's listen to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. The president called her up to the podium. He was talking yesterday about this um, hiring initiative that they're doing to get felons better access to work after they leave prison so that they can continue their rehabilitation. And he called Sarah Huckabee Sanders up to the podium, and here's what she said. It's number six. I'll try not to get emotional um, because I know that crying can make us look weak sometimes, right? Uh, this has been the honor of a lifetime, the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, I couldn't be prouder to have had the opportunity to serve my country and particularly to work for this president. Uh, he has accomplished so much in these two and a half years, and it's truly been uh, something I will treasure forever. Uh, it's one of the greatest jobs I could ever have. I've loved every minute, even the hard minutes. Uh, I have loved it. I love the president. I love the team that I've had the opportunity to work for. The president is surrounded by some of the most incredible and most talented people you could ever imagine. And uh, it's truly the most special experience. Uh, the only one I can think of that might top it just a little bit is uh, the fact that I'm a mom. I have three amazing kids and uh, I'm going to spend a little more time with them. And Meantime, I'm going to continue to uh, be one of the most uh, outspoken and loyal supporters of the president and his agenda. And I know he's going to have an incredible six more years and get a whole lot more done, like what we're here to celebrate today. And uh, I don't want to take away from that. So I certainly want to get back to the tremendous thing that the people behind me have done. And thank you so much, Mr. President. It's truly an honor. So, you know, uh, you heard her getting a little emotional there. And I just have to say, you know, when, you, when you're leaving on a high note, when you're leaving, when you know you've done a great job and you're taking the next step of your own volition, going back into the private sector, moving back to Arkansas with her husband and their three kids so she can spend more time with them and focus her energies on them after done, having done an excellent job for the Trump administration, uh, I'm proud of her. I feel the same level of respect for her that I have for Rona McDaniel and Condoleezza Rice and other women who have set aside really everything to serve this country and then gone back to the private sector. A job well done. Kudos to her. I'm really happy for her that she's moving on. We'll be back right after this. More than likely, you've seen or heard about the recent abortion law in New York City that allows babies to be aborted up to term. Your heart breaks, but you're not sure how you can make a difference in a positive way. The Ministry of Preborn invites you to help be the change. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. The Preborn Center in the heart of New York City is a light in the darkness. When a woman sees her baby on an ultrasound, 
she'll choose life over 80% of the time. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry and it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and you'll receive a story and a picture of babies whose lives were spared. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I know a man who, some years ago, began to withdraw from those he was close to. His excuse was that he was very busy. Now, his friends accepted this, but still they were a bit bewildered by his aloof treatment and what they saw as sort of an unhealthy isolation. Then it all came to light. It was discovered that their friend had been living a hidden, sinful life, and the real reason he withdrew from his friends was that he was afraid of being found out. There's an insecurity associated with an unrepentant life. This insecurity begins to grab you. A guilty conscience is a gift from God. When we feel guilty, we need to stop and say, is there a reason for this guilt? Perhaps we have done something wrong and God is getting our attention. We're tormented until we make things right. You can live with confidence and peace when there's nothing to hide. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, Solomon has a word for us. He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. I think that there are three observations we can glean from this verse. One is that integrity should be our ambition and our guide. Integrity has to do with moral predictability, living out what's true about us, being open and honest and consistent in our lifestyle. Secondly, pure motives and character give weight and security to your life. He says, he who walks in integrity walks securely. Why? Because you don't have anything to hide. Then thirdly, if you're hiding, there's a reason to be nervous. You will be found out. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Honesty and integrity are the stuff of confidence and great freedom. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the program. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. We have Daniel Turner, who's the executive director of Power to the Future. And uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today, Daniel. Thanks for joining in. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. Great to be with you. So let's let's chat about this. So you got the tankers in, um, well, near Iran, in the waters near Iran, and they've actually been um, hit with explosive attacks. And the concern has been, obviously, that this is something that was initiated or funded or somehow assisted by the nation state of Iran, um, and and this impacts obviously our energy and how much our gas prices are going up or down and et cetera. It it absolutely is a, is a critical time right now. And uh, in the past, this would have had a much bigger impact. And I think what we have to recognize is how lucky we are right now that America has really maintained has really been able to achieve energy independence. Last time we had this level of tension with Iran 
was during the Bush administration. And gas prices, oil prices hit $150 a barrel. And I'm sure your listeners who were pumping gas in their car probably remember that. It was, un- it was common to see gas at $5.90 a gallon. Um, that hasn't happened. Even though gas prices did go up a little bit, it hasn't happened the way it did in the Bush administration. And that's because we don't need Middle East oil anymore. We are self-sufficient. And that's a tremendous position of leverage and strength that we've really never had in the last couple decades. So what's driving that? Because I know I've, I've covered here on the program, especially during the first few um, uh, months of the Trump administration, how different their attitude was towards American energy production than the Obama administration, for example. What's driving our, our ability to kind of weather this and not be as impacted as we would have before? Yeah, there have been some great advances in technology but nothing in the last two years during this administration, really much to the credit of President Trump, all he's done is, is taking off the fetters, right? He's, a, he's allowed the, the energy industry to thrive without the literally thousands of regulations that the Obama administration placed on it. And that's been the history of our nation. If you just create a, a climate where business can thrive, it will. Um, there has been no secret formula. We didn't discover some new oil field. We just let Americans do what they do best, which is prosper and grow the economy. Um, and, and it has been absolutely amazing. It's just the state of Texas alone right now, if it were a nation, would be the second largest oil producer in the world after Saudi Arabia. And that's just one state. We have tremendous oil reserves throughout the nation. We're blessed in that sense. And if we just allow business to do what it does best, um, we will continue to have this energy autonomy and, and independence. So what do you see the the because you mentioned earlier just a, just a little bit ago, Daniel, that there have been other times where our relationship with Iran has been very tense and has even erupted into similar types of actions that we're seeing now. What do you see on the horizon as it pertains to our relationship with them in light of the current? The, basically, it's the Iran deal. The president canceled it. They're very upset about that. And the 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 tensions have escalated from there. Yeah, and, and it is it is a, a really difficult situation. Iran is the world's leading sponsor of, of, of terrorism. And so many of the terrorist attacks that you see around the world, um, the ongoing attacks from Gaza and from and in Syria, they're all funded by, by Iran. Uh, and, and if we can cripple their economy, we can also stop a lot of these terrorist attacks just from the lack of funding. Um, that obviously doesn't sit well with the regime of Iran. And we have no problem with the people. I, I know this administration, and much to President Obama's credit and President Bush's before him, we've always supported the Iranian people. Um, but we do have a problem with their government, and, and their government is a sponsor of state terrorism. The sanctions President Trump has put on them have really crippled their economy. What, what's needed now, hopefully, is for the people themselves to take back their country much like we saw protests in Venezuela the last couple of months, um, much like we've seen uprisings in other places of the world, but hopefully the people of Iran can, can take their country back from the mullahs that run it. So the tankers that were targeted, what, who owned those? Because let's, let's talk about some details about that, because I think Americans heard, you know, two tankers, two oil tankers um, were attacked. 
the U.S. Navy responded and, and helped the sailors uh, to get them to safety. Iran has since gone in and removed one of the explosive devices that was stuck to the side of the tanker, kind of basically destroying evidence. But who owned the tankers and, and why were they over there? Yeah, well, the, without a doubt, that part of the world is still very important for oil production. Um, more than a third of the world shipped oil goes through that little tiny strait, which they call the Straits of Hormuz. Um, so there's there is constant traffic of oil tankers because of Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, uh, Kuwait. Um, many of the oil producing countries ship their oil through there. The tankers, I believe, were Norwegian, and our arm, our navy has been in that area for really for the last couple of, of decades. Um, so they are allies of the United States. Um, as of now, I, I think the latest report did not have any tremendous, uh, uh, obviously damage, but no loss of life. But still, this is a very hostile, um, aggressive action that Iran is taking. And, and quite frankly, it's not surprising because of the situation they have been put in by these sanctions, because uh, the Trump administration has really tried to isolate them and even isolate our allies from them. Uh, this is one brave and, and bold action that President Trump took that no previous president did. They put a lot of pressure on our European allies to stop trading with Iran. Up until the last year, America's policy as a whole was fine if Italians or French or Spanish uh, bought oil from Iran. And that has, that has changed. The president has made it clear you're either friends with America or, or you're friends with Iran, but not both. So mm -hmm. Iran is in a really tight pinch right now. It's, it's sad that they are uh, looking towards violence and not towards diplomacy. So the pinch that they're in is due in no small part to the fact that they continue to enrich uranium and develop a nuclear program when they're supposed to be working on stabilizing their country's economy, et cetera, et cetera. But they insist on working towards becoming a nuclear nation. And the United States has has worked in concert with foreign partners and allies to stop that. So it, it's it's basically their desire for power that is putting them in a position where we're isolating them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and their relationship with other rogue regimes like North Korea, like Venezuela. Um, uh, and, and so there, this is a, a fallacy that they need nuclear power. Um, and it's unfortunate that previous administrations have, have fallen for this game, that we, they want peaceful nuclear power. Iran, proportionately, has more oil uh, than the United States in terms of its population size and its energy consumption. Iran does not need nuclear power. Um, and so this is, has been a total farce to say that they need or they want nuclear power for peaceful reasons. Um, I'm glad that this president is finally stepping up to them. We've been battling Iran since their revolution, um, and it's just been at little skirmishes, some of them very deadly, uh, like the bombing of Cobart Towers, uh, and some of them not so much. But, but we've been battling them consistently for my entire life, and, and I, I'm glad this administration is trying to finally stand up to them and hopefully bring about a, a, a peaceful solution by helping the people of Iran take their country back. Fantastic. And we've been chatting with um, Daniel Turner, Executive Director of Power to the Future. Daniel, thank you so much for taking time out today to join us, and have a fantastic weekend. Thank you, Stacey. Always great to be on with you, and, and best to you and your listeners. All right, thanks. We'll talk to you again soon. Um, I I think, you know, his analysis is spot on. We We definitely have a very contentious relationship with Iran. And it's made even more so by the fact that the president is not 
playing footsie with them. He's he's not, you know, shaking hands and giving shoulder rubs and sniffing their hair. He's actually making some moves that it's uncomfortable for them. But we all know how it is when, when we're not ready to accept something. We're not ready for change. And so we kick against the pricks and it and it, it gets painful for us. And then when we're finally tired of fighting the inevitable, we come around and we begin to accept and move in. And that's where Iran is going to have to go because them trying to go up against us and our allies, it's not a, it's not a war they can win. They can't win on this. They can, they can hit tankers. They can do little, you know, things like what we're seeing them do. Um, But as long as we've frozen their assets and shut down their bank accounts and isolated them from other allies who might be buying from them and we're operating under our own natural energy independence because we have so much natural resource availability, um, they're not going to win this one. Um, so I want to quickly just point out that the Army is 244 years old today. And I happen to be a huge fan of the United States Army, having grown up on Army bases all over the world as my father was serving on active duty. My father, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather all are Army veterans. Uh, my dad's an Army retiree. And uh, so it's fantastic to help the Army celebrate 244 years of dominance and just getting it done all over the world. Uh, fantastic. Happy birthday, Army. Uh, so I also want to um, talk a little bit about, and, and this is, well, let me make sure I gave you the most interesting thing. Yeah, we're celebrating it's the 244th birthday of the U.S. Army um, about camaraderie, fellowship, brotherhood, honorable service, um, and a fantastic experience to boot while you're doing all that. So we mentioned in the first segment about Sarah Huckabee Sanders leaving her role as press secretary. The president is actually in the process of interviewing people um, while his administration is interviewing people to replace her. She's leaving in a few weeks, so that gives some time for them to find someone new. Um, He's actually named several people. Stephanie Grisham, director of communications for First Lady Melania Trump, who he thinks is terrific. Um, (laughs) He says he still likes Anthony Scaramucci. Uh, okay, I'm going to reserve comments on that. You know, he's been on the program. Anthony Scaramucci has never met a microphone or headphones he didn't like. We'll see how that is actually how it cracks up. Um, yeah, he says President Trump says that Scaramucci should actually stay in his current role as a political consultant. Uh, I, You know, interviews could begin as early as next week. Grisham is well-respected by the first couple. She's impressed the president and she's been strong, but it's one thing to say you're strong. It's quite another to say that you're strong enough to be in that room. Um, and, and this is a room though the press secretary, it doesn't matter if you're the most beautiful person to ever grace our eyeballs. It doesn't matter if you're tall and statuesque or petite and, you know, running circles around everyone else with your super squirrel energy. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are you willing to say horrible things about Donald Trump? No, because you like him and you're working for, as a press secretary for him because you want to support the president. Then the media is going to have a field day. They're going to talk about your looks. They're going to, if you're too pretty, like with Hope Hicks, they actually talk about how she doesn't take bad pictures and that's not fair. And she's too pretty to, you know, be a good anything. They, I mean, they're going to find insults. I just hope and pray that the next person can stand in the gap. If you want to do that job, you have to be the literal watchman on the wall and you have to be lightning fast with your comebacks. 
You have to remain as cool as a cucumber. You can never let them see you sweat or be ruffled. And you have to know everything, everything that's in the book and everything that's not in the book. Um, and I'm talking about that binder that they carry up with them with the the answers to all the questions that they know they'll get asked about, but you have to know everything else as well. So if Stephanie Grisham is the one, I hope she's the one with the lightning quick responses and that she's got it going on and she can really handle this because I want to see someone who can at least fill Sarah Huckabee Sanders shoes, but optimally would be able to even carry the torch further than she was able to carry it after she took over for uh the previous Spicer for, for uh, Spicer. So yeah, we've got that going on. Um, I just, I'm, I'm really, I, th- I find it kind of fascinating that we've got all of this going. It's like, you know, there's never a dull news day. Um, but it's, it's interesting because I think in, in all the pictures they're showing of Stephanie Grisham, oh, they're going to have some fun. Yeah. They're going to have some fun. Um, I heard somebody say they wish that, um, Oh, what's his name? Mulvaney would come over because Mulvaney is so affable and he's, he's, you know, not able to be ruffled, but he's in a great role and I don't want to see him leave there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, We will see what happens. Meanwhile, I want to point you over to the YouTube page where you can hit subscribe. It's Stacy on the right. You can also go to Instagram at Stacy on the right. And um, I'm just wondering what your plans are for the weekend. Let me open up the call lines. We're going to be going into the third segment here in just a minute. Uh, You can join us at 866-963-2037. Open line Friday so you can call and talk about anything, anything you want to chat about. 866-963-2037. I had one of our friends of the show send over a message to me about um, the kind of delusion when I talk about lies and deception and kind of point to this weird, it's this weird phenomenon where we now see people really going so strong in support of things like drag queen story hour when just 10 years ago, if you'd said that to a bunch of moms sitting at a park somewhere with toddlers, don't you think a drag queen should read story hour to your kids? They would say, are you out of your mind? Drag queens are suffering from gender dysphoria. Why would we let someone who's not sure what body they're in read stories to our kids? Why, why would that even be necessary? Now you see people not only accepting it, but libraries across the country are trying to get in on the trend and join in. And parents don't want to be seen as intolerant. Moms, especially who tend to be more liberal than the dads are like, you know, uh, you know, as long as there's nothing really untoward going on, well, it's a, it's a man in makeup dressed up like a woman reading a story to your child in the voice of a man because they can't read it in a woman's voice because they're not a woman or defending this push to have transgender athletes um, competing with women. Now they've got people, you know, pushing back and they've got the transgender athletes going on TV and talking about how they need an opportunity. I didn't clip that audio for you because I just can't stand to listen to this man dressed up like a woman. The voice, it's just too much. You know what I'm saying? It's Friday. Y'all need a break just like me. And we're not going to play the audio next week either. When I say we just, we're not going to listen to it. No, no. All right. When we get back, you're going to hear coming in Newt Gingrich on the China trade war. Excellent analysis by him. You can join us at 866-963-2037. Stay right there. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. 
Once I understood Lauren's passion for adoption and the rightness of it in God's eyes, Lauren and I agreed we could do it together. In the end, we both had peace of mind about it. Even so, we had slightly different ideas about how to proceed. My big question was, what's the best way to do this? I was more concerned about the process than Lauren was. I think she was a little frustrated with me as I tried to talk through everything. This reminded us that the Lord often brings together different types of people to complement the other. That's what makes marriages special. So just remember to treat your differences as something that God has created in each of you. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Pastor D. The Back to God movement always reminds people that we got to know who we are and whose we are. And we are children of the Most High God. Made in His image and likeness. That's what Genesis 1.26 says. Made in His image and likeness. So that means if Yeshua could walk on water, guess what? We can too. Each weekday at 4 o'clock Central on Urban Family Talk. And let's get back to God. I love AFR. You say it's on the radio too? Here at American Family Radio, we know that many people find their audio entertainment in other places than the radio. So our programming is available with the AFR app on Apple and Android devices, through Amazon Alexa, and now available on Roku. I just love the podcasts. That too. American Family Radio, streaming our podcast, now available wherever you are. And we're on the radio. Donald Trump's America. Some people in the construction industry say President Trump's merit-based immigration plan could help them recruit more skilled workers from overseas. Industry insiders say they've taken a hit due to lack of interest in the job market. Meanwhile, Brandon Mobula from the Associated Builders and Contractors of Greater Houston says the number of construction projects is growing across the country. Nationwide, there are 440,000 approximate open construction jobs. The plan would increase the number of highly skilled workers accepted into the United States from 12 percent to 57 percent. But Jose Garza from the Workers Defense Project doesn't think the proposal will fix the problem. It is not a policy that is rooted or based in the economic realities of, of the industry, but rather it's based in, in quite frankly, what are racist notions um, about immigration and immigration policy. In Houston, Madeline Rivera, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I would simply hope that the president will presently say, let's take as much of the Chinese tariff money as we need to, and we will divert it to the American farmers, so we use the Chinese tariff payments in order to take care of the farmers who the Chinese are trying to rip off. And I think if he did that, and did it on a large enough scale, uh, that it would become a non-issue. The, the truth is, in the long run, China cannot win a trade war with the United States. It's simply not possible. There are too many other countries we can go to in order to buy things. We're going to, the Chinese are going to build a whole series of competitors in Asia, uh, in places like Thailand and Vietnam and the Philippines, and they're just going to lose market share, and at the same time, no, no. we're going to find out that we don't need them. Oh, yeah, he's right. Um, the, and we discussed this a little bit yesterday. Great minds think alike. It's, it's to China's own detriment that they would allow 
the trade relationship with the United States to deteriorate to such a point that there would be unable to stop the onslaught of other smaller countries saying, look, we can do cheap manufacturing too. Let's get it on. Uh, we don't, we don't want that to be the case. So right now let's go to the phones. Stephanie in, okay. I'm not sure if that call is ready that we can take that call right now. Um, but we will go to the phones in just a sec. And if you want to join us, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Um, so Newt Gingrich was talking about the, um, the China trade war and McConnell has actually been castigating the Democrats about their ability to actually get some policy done instead of only talking about how much they hate Donald Trump. And so we're going to join into that as well. Um, Stephanie in West Virginia, thanks for calling the show today. Hi. How are you, Stacey? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have uh, have been hearing a lot about the illegal immigration, and rightly so. People are very upset about this, um, that people aren't coming in the right way. And it seems that uh, people on the left are constantly saying, well, we don't care about people from other countries. And if you're a conservative, that you, you have no compassion. But I can tell you in, in the work that I do, which is trying to help people um, back into uh, the workforce, that when people come in and they are not a legal citizen and have a legal right to be here, they have come thinking they are going to have the American dream. And unfortunately, if you are not an American citizen and if you're not here legally, things like having to have an ID to get a job, um, and if you do find a job and you are having to work under the table, then you're not protected by workers' comp. Um, I had one gentleman who worked for a family member who came in from the Middle East, and he was working for a family member, did a month's worth of work, and the family member refused to pay him, and he had no recourse. So my point is, not only is it not being fair to citizens of the United States, it's really not um, giving the illegal immigrants what they think they're going to encounter when they get here. Mm, yeah, and and so the things you're saying that are, it's spot on, but I, I think we're beyond an, uh, the place where natural, logical arguments and reasons work with liberals. They simply oppose lawful immigration and our efforts to make everyone come here legally because that is a position that's held by Republicans and they're Democrats and therefore they oppose it on principle because there must be something wrong with it because we support it. I know that sounds as if I'm not giving them very much credit, but that is what's happening here. They literally only oppose it because we support sealing the border. But when you say you're sending the illegal aliens to them, then all of a sudden they want some form of border security. So that's how we know it's just based solely upon the fact that Republicans are evil. Republicans are bad. Republicans only have bad ideas. Therefore, they will um, oppose whatever it is that Republicans want, because, I mean, all of us are racist, for goodness sake. How can you possibly support anything that we support? Um Call lines are open, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. We will get back to callers in just a second here. I want you guys to hear Mitch McConnell kind of articulating something similar to what I'm saying, only he's talking about the Democrats in the elected arena. 
and how the House Democrats specifically aren't willing to actually pass any legislation or work towards anything that kind of falls in their wheelhouse. They want to raise, obviously. But besides that, they're not willing to do much other than harass the president. It's number three. You know, I said weeks ago, case closed. We got the Mueller report, the only objective evaluation that will be conducted. Nobody has any confidence that the Democratic House is going to engage in any kind of appropriate oversight. The case is closed. Why don't we move on and solve the border crisis and prove the president's USMCA, the new trade deal with Mexico and Canada. We have work to do. He gets picked at every day over every different aspect of it. But the fundamental point is they're trying to keep the 2016 election alive and the investigation alive. When the American people have heard enough, they got the Mueller report, they would like for us to do some business. I would ask uh, the Democrats in the House this. Is there anything you're willing to do other than harass the president for the next two years? Anything at all? Yeah, uh, I don't think that he's wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's The question is valid. Do you think any of the Democrats would answer that? I just, I'm, again, and I know, you know, there's some, some validity to the argument back where you would say, well, the Republicans didn't want to work with President Obama. True, but they were willing to pass legislation that helped um, with trade and other things that were going on. It, they just weren't willing to do the social issue stuff. So they were willing to work on a couple of things. The Democrats, on the other hand, are only willing to work on social issues and things that further degrade the society and, and our, our good natural order, but they're not willing to work on budgets or infrastructure or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, let's go to Faran Farzana in Texas. I hope I'm not butchering your name there. Thank you for calling the show. Hi, uh, thank you for taking my call. I sure. just wanted to say that I do appreciate uh, your show and the whole uh, radio station. I am from Iran, and uh, I've become a Christian in this country. I was raised Muslim. Um, I have a lot I could tell you, but I just wanted to say that I appreciate um, um, everything and wanted to say that as far as Sarah Sanders uh to see her go, but she's the most amazing person I've ever listened to or watched. And, and anyway, so that, and also want to tell you that um, uh, I'm sure y'all have prayer uh, time to keep Iranian Christians, especially, uh, in your prayer that they would mm. be open to get more involved with uh, more understanding and more involved at in what God is doing in their uh, through politics in our faith, we can really separate these two. Um, mm, amen to that. Over the, the Bible. So mm -hmm. anyway, so so much more, but I know it's just 50 seconds I have wanted to tell you I do appreciate all that. But, Thank you. And Thank everything you. that's happening in the, um, in, over there with the Iranians and stuff, that, um, that there are a few of us here that are uh, really are grateful that... Um, God has us here. So, anyways, Amen. I Thank you so much for calling the show. And so I have to say, so she's, she's an immigrant. She really likes President Trump. She supports what's going on in the White House. And she's asking for us, all of us as, as Americans, to pray for the Iranian people, especially the Christians there, who they, they want to have what they had decades ago before the, the Shahs and Mullahs and all those guys took over and instituted the return to Sharia law. 
they they had a much more free society where you could practice your own religion, you could be a person of another faith, and you could women could get educations. It was really uh, just a great opportunity, a place for people to live. And now it's not that way. So it it is. And you know, we had a guest. I have to look back um, and see if I can find in my show sheet binders. Um, we had a guest on who was of Iranian descent, and he came on to talk about how the Iranian people are not the same as the ones you see protesting and saying death to America on all of the newscasts, that they're, they don't support the regime, but they're in a, in a place where they don't have control because that, you know, they're, they're under basically a, a, a regime that oppresses them. Um, so I, I, I completely understand where she's coming from. And, and it's uh, for me always wonderful to hear from someone who's immigrated into this country and loves it. You know what I mean? If you, if you've immigrated to this country and you love America, and you support the freedoms that we have here. I had to respect that. You know what I mean? You come, you've come here out of love for this country, and you want to be a part of the American experience, and you want to preserve it. It doesn't get much better than that, you know. For for those of us who are citizens, natural born citizens, to have people come here who love this country and want to preserve it, that's that's what this is all about. It's a part of who we are as a nation. Immigration is a part of that. Um, let's go back to the phones. We have Nancy in Missouri. Hey, Nancy, thanks for calling the show today. Hey, Stacy, how are you? Doing good. How are you? I just wanted to, I just wanted to call and tell you that when I heard the other day that the Democrats wanted to vote them a three and a half percent raise without having done what I consider their job, it I was just incensed. I it was made too. Me very angry. I felt like you know, it, I felt like it was a bad joke, but it wasn't. It's like it's real. They think they should get a raise. I, I just and I don't know why. For you what? Know? What have they done exactly? Nothing. That that was definitely my point. You know, and all they tried to do is try to keep uh, President Trump from accomplishing things that would help our country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so I get it that they don't want to help him enact his agenda. But on the stuff that American people need to get done, like the, the trade deal that they've negotiated between Canada and Mexico and us, everybody should be willing to sign that because it's an improvement on NAFTA. It, it makes things better for American workers. They should be signing that. Um, and the infrastructure deal, they should be doing that. The wall at the southern border, they should be doing that. Now, the other things the president wants to get done, I can see them fighting on those. But not because I agree with them, but because they disagree. But there has to be something they can support, something that they're not totally against. Um, and, and it's just so, yeah, that, that, that is pretty annoying that, to, to see that um, and to know that they're not going to give him an opportunity. So we still have a few minutes left in this segment. If you want to join the show by phone, 866-963-2037. I did tease this two days in a row. You could win $1,000 by switching to a flip phone like Warren Buffett. Frontier Bundles, which is a Utah-based internet phone and cable company, will give $1,000 to one brave soul willing to trade their smartphone for a flip phone for seven days. They're looking for social media addicts and tech geeks in particular who would find unplugging from constant notifications and apps especially tough. Now, they're going to give you a boredom buster swag bag survival kit that includes a physical map to replace GPS, a pocket phone to book uh, uh, to jot down numbers in, a notepad and pen to jot down actual notes, and a couple of 90s CDs like Britney Spears and NSYNC to replace Spotify. 
I thought that was so awesome. Okay. All right. I won't be doing it, but yeah. <laughs> Ken in Mississippi. Hey, Ken, thanks for calling the show today. Well, uh, thank you for taking my call. I've uh, sure. been listening to your show, and I'm very impressed in a positive direction. You know, I tell people you can be impressed in any direction. I'm very <laughs> impressed with the show. And uh, I told the gentleman that took the call there that maybe you could go up there and take uh, Sarah's place. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would be telling those people off. I would be doing personal attacks, <laughs> selling them, you know, you, you, you know what you're, you are, you have Trump derangement syndrome. Don't ask any more questions. And I would actually be the one. Cause you know, so at least a year and a half ago, Ken, I said she should take, uh, Jim Acosta's press pass. And I, I would have done it the way you do stuff like in the military, when you get in trouble for something it's a process where you get a you get a little handwritten note. It's a it's a printed out note that they fill out, and basically they fill that out and they give it to you, and that's like your first warning. They keep a copy of it, and so everyone knows you've gotten warning number one. And by the time you get to warning number three, you're in serious trouble. You're standing at attention in somebody's office, and there's more than one officer present, and you are getting read the riot act, and you know you're 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 in deep stuff at that point. I would have taken Jim Acosta's press pass. Within the first six months of doing that job, if I was Sarah Huckabee Sanders, which means I'm not cut out for that job. And it's not just not just him. April Ryan would have been given the boot. And as a black person, I'll give you this, Ken, as a black person, I probably would, of course, get called an Uncle Tom. But I'd have more leeway to be able to do mean stuff because people would not be able to say, well, she's she's a racist. And then other people would say, but she's black. And so the argument would be about that instead of she took. Jim Acosta and April D. Ryan's press passes, which is what I would be doing. That That's what I would be doing. If, if the room wasn't orderly and people weren't being nice, they wouldn't be in the room. Um, I'm not sure if that, that I, I know for a fact that means I'm not cut out for that job. Besides, even though we have family living in D.C. Um, in the metro area, I don't want to live there. I love going there. I get to go four or five times a year for this job. And I love it when I get to go. I always spend the night at my parents' house. I have try to have lunch with my sister, uh, you know, but I don't want to live there. We had the chance to move there about 18 years ago, and we decided it wasn't good for our family. We love the Midwest. I love living in the heartland, which is basically the entire middle of the country, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> All right. We'll be back on Monday. God bless. Have a fantastic weekend. If you're leaving us now, if not, we'll be back after this.